excited. It's good to see you all this morning. So glad that you are here. And um, this is your first time visiting. My name is Crystal Sparks, and my husband and I co-pastor this church together. And uh, we believe that uh, God called us to lead side by side and to do the vision that God has called us to accomplish. And so we know this morning you had a lot of options, a lot of places that you could have been. And we'll just say that we're so thankful that you chose to spend your Sunday morning here with us. And so, hey, we've been in a series uh, seven. Brian kicked it off last week. How many of y'all got something good out of that message? Wasn't that so good? So good. And uh, I've really been enjoying it. I'm excited to bring you this message today. And then Brian's already been giving me a teaser about his message next week, and it's going to be good. And hey, I just want to do a real quick shout out that I love that our church is actively involved in our community. You know, we don't just, there's a lot of places you can go and you just have Sunday morning service and then that's it. But one of the things I love about our church is that we are active in our community. And so real quick, I just want to acknowledge she's standing in the back. Can we just give it up for our creative and outreach director, Crystal Figueroa? Can we just give it up for her? Wave around at them so they can see who you are. She is awesome. She's the woman behind the scenes making it happen. On Tuesday, uh, she got a team of people together that came up here and we fed all of the staff and faculty here at Ford Elementary. where You were able to give them breakfast and start their day off right as they were teaching uh, kids and making a difference. Then on Friday night, uh, she led up a team that was there at the football game and we served hundreds of people there at the football stadium working the concession stand. And then Saturday, she had an outreach group uh, out in our community making a difference. And I just want to tell you, as your pastor, thank you for being involved. Thank the hands and feet to our community of Jesus. They, we are lifting Jesus high together and that's because of you. So way to go church. All right. Are you guys ready? All right. We're going to title this message. If you're taking notes, two joys, seven promises, two joys, seven promises. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. This is a short verse to kick us off, but I'm going to give you so much Bible today. You better tap your neighbor and say, are you ready? And I'll just go ahead and give it to all my detail-oriented people in the house, Angelica Plata. Don't worry about catching every scripture. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture. Listen to the podcast and you'll be able to catch it all. But we're at our launching verses, Hebrews 11, 11. And it says this, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength. Somebody say strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age, when she was what? Past? Does it say at the age or past the age? Past the age. Because she judged, somebody say she judged him faithful who had promised. Can I pray with you this morning? Jesus, we just thank you, Father, that this is a God-appointed word at a God-appointed time. Father, we just thank you that every heart is softened for the seed of the word of God. Every ear is open and receptive. God, we thank you that every person is going to leave this place changed, that no one will leave the same. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. You know, we moved, um, it's really crazy to me that we moved four years ago to Roy City because God had put it in our heart to start a life-giving church here in this community. And I'll just say, like, things, whenever God gives you a word to do something, it's really exciting on the front end, right? I mean, like, you're so full of joy. You're so full of excitement. It's kind of like when you're newly married, you're just married. You're just on love and you don't have any money. You don't have 
have anything, but you got a whole lot of love, right? I would say that's kind of how a word from God is. Like you're full of so much joy, but you really have no reason to be so happy. And so we moved here with just a dream in our heart. People would ask us, do you have money? We'd say, no. Do you have people? No. Do you have a building? No. Do you have any idea how you're going to do this? No clue. But we were happy about it. Like we were just so excited. Well, we were in the process and I'll just be honest with y'all. I grew up in Sulphur Springs, Texas. Any Sulphur Springs people in the house? Hey, I didn't know you're from Silver Springs. I knew I liked you. And so I, I grew up in Silver Springs. My parents are there. My family's there. My friends are there. And all of a sudden I find myself in a city where I know no one. And planning a church is hard. And it just takes getting betrayed a few times. You have no money. You're broke as a joke. And you kind of start to go, I, this isn't what I signed up for. And so one of the, one of those days I was driving home and this is going somewhere good, I promise. And I was driving home and the church hadn't yet started. And I'm literally weeping in my car, driving down the interstate. And I'm like, God, we had money when we lived in Silver Springs. We, we had friends, we had a support system. I had everything I needed. And now you sent me here. I have no one here. And I just hate this stupid city. I hate this place that you put us. I hate this call that you put on the inside of us. And you just ever have a prayer session that's more like a complaining session. Come on, let's get real. And so I'm crying and I'm driving downtown and I'm like, here's all these stupid cars going to these stupid restaurants in this stupid city. And then about that time I see this girl and she's taking pictures. I'm like some stupid girl taking stupid pictures of the stupid city. And all of a sudden I look closer and I'm like, wait, I think that's Crystal Figueroa. (laughs) And literally I pull over and get out of my car as fast as I can. And I run over to her and I just break down crying. And I love the scripture in Philippians. I believe it's 419. It says that God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. And, you know, I looked back on that. And as I was hugging her crying and she was like looking at me like I was crazy. And I, God whispered in my heart in that moment. And he said, Crystal, I knew right now you didn't need money. You didn't need to move back home. You didn't need me to move you cities. You just needed to know that I cared about the little things. And at that moment, I just needed a hug. I needed a friend. And I can't tell you how many times in this journey of the last four years, I go back to that moment that God knew and saw my loneliness and gave me exactly what I needed at the right moment to help energize my faith, to begin to believe again, to continue to stand. And you know, that's what I love about God is because we start out with the first joy and the first joy is just the excitement of God's promise. You know, here Sarah is, the Bible tells us that she was past the age of childbearing. In other words, this is (laughs) pre-Viagra. This is all of her eggs are gone. Let's just get honest. Like that ship has sailed. And I want you to think about this. When God first shows up and tells Abraham that she is going to bear a child, she is 65 years old, y'all. Like 65 is old to be told, hey, you're about to be a mom. She's like, really, God? Why didn't you show up when I was 45 or 35 or 25? But no, he shows up when she's 65 years old. And then to make matters worse, she goes on believing the promise for 25 years. I want you, I, just in my mind, I was thinking about this and I thought that is 25 years of birthdays. That's 9,125 days she had to wait 
for God's promise. Now, I'm sure on the first thousand sunsets and sunrises and not being pregnant, she was okay. But come about 8,150, you start to go, God, all that joy from the promise is completely gone. And all I see is impossible situations. But what I want to let you know is that we live our life in two tensions. On the one end, that with God, all things are possible. And then on the other end is what we ourselves in our own natural ability can accomplish. And most of us try to live in where we can actually accomplish. And God's calling us to be over here in the place where only we're totally relying on him. That without him, we can do nothing. Because the truth is, it wasn't more impossible for her to become pregnant at 90 as it was at 65. And for you, let me just say this, that impossible situations is where God begins. And I think a lot of times we try to use logic to get us to our miracle. Well, if I had more money, then it would be possible. No, then God would just require more of you with more money. We think, oh, well, if I had that job, then it would be possible. No, then God would just require more of you at that job. Why? Because God is always going to swing you over here into the tension of unless he shows up, it is absolutely impossible. I hear people say this all the time. And if you said it, it's okay. But I hear people say all the time, well, God will only give you what you can handle. And that's not the truth. He gives you more than you can handle because then you have to only rely on him. If he only gave you what you could handle, then that means that you could live every single day and do it in your own strength and your own power. You could be your own provider. But the truth is you're never going to be smart enough, educated enough, resourced enough, equipped enough, connected enough to do what God has called you to do. And that is why, my friends, he wants you to live over here on this side that unless God shows up, we can't do it. There is only plan A, and that is God's strength, his resource, and his ability. The Bible says in Nehemiah 8.10 that the joy of the Lord is our strength. I want you to picture this, that if our destiny is like a car, I want you to think about this. God's promise is like a car. Faith is the steering wheel, and joy is the fuel. How many of you have ever run out of gas? Thank you. We're not alone. Let's start a community group together. We can support each other. We won't make it. Good point, Mamma. Good point. Well done. You can have the best car with the best steering wheel that works great, but if you don't have gas in the tank, you ain't going anywhere. And the enemy through disappointment steals your joy because if he can take your joy, he can keep you from moving forward in what God's called you to do. And some of you have let the enemy rob the joy of the promise. You remember when you were excited. Do you remember the Bible says, um, return to us the joy of our salvation. Have you ever been around people that just got saved? It's like crazy miracles happen for them, right? Like they get all the Gucci parking spots in the parking lot, like the best parking. They have all these crazy miracles that happen in their life. Why? Because nobody's told them that God, you might walk through situations where your faith is going to be disappointed. And at that point, their faith only sees that God is the God of miracles and he can do anything. So you know what they do? They believe God for anything. But what happens is along the way, our joy gets stolen and we wonder why we're not moving forward. And the reason why we're not moving forward is because you become cynical, critical, 
judgmental and your joy is gone. Return yourself to the joy when God promised you that all your children's going to serve the Lord. Return yourself to the joy when you heard for the first time that God shall supply all your needs according to your riches and glory. It's like getting back to that place of joy. So here Sarah is, years have gone by. And I want you to think about this because like I had this moment in my prayer, prayer time this week and I want, I want to take you on this moment. All this time, the Lord had never told Sarah she was going to bear a child. The Lord had told Abraham that they were going to have a child. When everything changed was when Sarah was listening in to Abraham's quiet time. And for the first time, she heard Sarah is from one year today, Sarah is going to conceive a child. And you know what her reaction was? Laughter. Her joy was returned. Why? Because for the first time, she heard God's word for herself. It wasn't secondhand knowledge anymore. It wasn't hearsay. It wasn't from a pastor. It wasn't from a podcast. It wasn't from YouTube. She actually got to hear God say it for herself for the first time. And her response was joy. And you know what? One year later, she was holding Isaac, which his name means laughter. And I think about that to say this. I think a lot of times we've not heard God's word for ourselves. And that's why we can't believe him for more. What I believe isn't going to save you in crisis. Can I get somebody to say amen? Whenever the doctor's report comes in, it's not what Pastor Brian believes or Pastor Nancy or Pastor Jimmy or Candace. It doesn't matter what they believe. In that moment, it matters what you believe. And you've got to get to a place where you've heard the word of the Lord for yourself. And that is the firm foundation that you begin to stand upon. In Psalms 103, 20, it says that all angels hearken to the word of God. I want you to picture this. Whenever, whenever you are in a hotel and you call for room service and you say, I need extra towels. Although you can't see them getting the towels, you know that there's people going to work to get you the towels. And then all of a sudden, a few minutes later, you have a knock at the door and they're delivering what you asked for. When you pray, it's the same way. When you, when you use God's word in prayer, it's like a hotline to heaven. And the moment you pray for it, it says that all the angels go to work on what you're asking for. They do not hearken to your complaining. They don't hearken to your criticism. They don't hearken to you saying, well, God, this isn't fair. My neighbor got this. My coworker got this. No, they hearken to the word of God. So I want to ask you, how much of the word are you speaking out of your mouth? What are you saying? If you don't like the results in your life, examine how much of God's word is coming out of your mouth. Everything you see right now, you created with your words six months ago, be it positive or negative. If you want to change it, begin to change what you say. In Isaiah 62, six, I love this. It says, who will never hold their peace day or night. You who are his servants and by your prayers, put the Lord in remembrance of his promise. Keep not silent. In other words, there is no taking days off, hours off, moments off from speaking God's word. It says that it's our job through our prayers to remind God of what he's promised. Have you ever promised your kids something and then they wear you out about it? Like you just said, maybe we'll go to Chuck E. Cheese. And now every five minutes they're asking you, when are we going to go to Chuck E. Cheese? When are we going to go do this? And I want their persistence is what makes you do it. Because if you would have said, hey, I'll take you to Chuck E. Cheese. And they're like, meh. And they go about their day. Would you take them? No, because you're like, I don't want to go in there with that big rat. 
and fight all those kids and all those parents and eat bad pizza and come on, spend all that money. But their excitement and their persistence is what makes you do it. I want you to think about this. God has given us promises in his word and this is the way his people act to it. Nah. We don't remind him of it. We don't remind him of it. We hear it and we're like, eh, it's for somebody else. And he goes, I guess they really don't want it. But the Bible says here in Isaiah 62, 6, to remind him of it day and night through our prayers, keep God in remembrance of what he promised. Most people use their prayer time, again, to just talk about their problems. So what if we did this? Instead of complaining, we begin to say, God, you said that you would provide for all of my needs according to your riches and glory. I know y'all think I'm crazy, but there's been moments where I literally hold my bills to heaven and I say, God, you've got a problem with your checkbook. You've got a problem because I'm in covenant with you because I tithe. And because I tithe, I need you to provide. Come on. What if instead of complaining, we began to say, God, you said that you would give me peace, not as the world gives, but as you give. So God, take this worry from me, take this anxiety from me, and Lord, let me begin to receive your peace. What if instead of reading the doctor's report and hashing over and over again about what the doctor said, we begin to say, God, thank you that your word says that by by your stripes, I am healed. So that's the report I'm going to choose to believe. What if instead of comparing ourselves with other people, we begin to declare out of our mouth, God, I thank you that your word says that I am beautifully and wonderfully made. What if instead of wondering if your dreams will come to pass, you begin to say, God, I thank you that is the goodness of the, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. All my staff will tell you, I've been walking through our office recently, and every time I get here at the school, I say, God, this is not the fulfillment of what you promised us. You said that you would build your church. So, God, I thank you. We have the resources we need. We have the favor we need. We have everything we need to do what you've called us to do. What if when you begin to walk around your house, you begin to talk about God's word? Man, this is a popular message. All right. Proverbs 12, 6 says this, the mouth of the upright will deliver them. Now, just as any scripture, we can read it forwards for our advantage. We can also read it backwards for our disadvantage. The mouth of the, uh, uh, the, mouth of the person who complains will ensnare them. What are you saying? Say God's word. The angels hearken to the word of God. If you want to start seeing things change, start talking about God's word. Two questions all people have. Number one, is God real? That's what most people want to know. Is God real? The second thing most Christians spend the rest of their life trying to answer is, is he willing to do good things in my life? See, there's two joys that we'll have in our life. The first joy is when God spoke it and we get excited that we've got a promise from God. But the second joy that we get is when we know that he works all things together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. See, I can have joy when I'm walking through a bad situation because I know that his word is going to overcome the negative circumstance. I can have joy when everything and all hell's breaking loose and it seems like nothing's going right because I know that the promise is going to come to pass. The only reason why we don't step into the second joy, the bridge from my first joy to the 
second joy is holding on to the thing he first promised. And let me just tell you this. If you're in a place in your life where your faith is feeling worn out, you're feeling discouraged, come back to what he first said. Begin to quote God's word out of your mouth. I promise you this. You will have your own personal pep rally at home speaking God's word out loud. You're going to be like, man, I can do this. I am more than a conqueror. He is making a way where there seems no way. You've got to get good. I love that David, time and time again, when you read the story of David, it says, and then he encouraged himself in the Lord. And then he encouraged himself in the Lord. And then he encouraged himself in the Lord. You got to stop waiting for somebody to show up at your house and have a personal pep rally for you. And you got to get to a place where God, if you said it, I believe it. I'm standing on your word. God, you said that you would do this. God, you said that if I would trust you, God, you said that my children are going to serve you. And when you get to that place, you'll start having church at house, at your house, just in your prayer time. Why? Because God's word will begin to get right here. And when it gets right here, that's when you get the second joy. Because I can look at anything and know God's turning it around. Seven areas, seven promises. Are you guys ready? Are you excited? All right. Number one, health. God has promised you good health. I love this story. Wilma Rudolph was told by doctors that she would never walk. Her mother told her that she would. She believed her mom, and she went on to be the winner of three gold medals in the U.S. Olympics and for track and field. She was named the fastest woman in the world during the 1960s. I'll just ask you this. When a bad health report comes in, you've got to choose whose report you're going to believe. And calling it things, I'm going I'm to pastor you for a second. Calling it things like my diabetes, my arthritis. Come on. If I saw your car, you would say that's my car. Don't call something yours that you don't want to have forever. That's the enemy's diabetes. God says it's your health. He's already paid the price for it. Start talking about the right things. God's word says for your health, it says that you need to begin to declare this. God, you said that you would prosper me and be in good health, even as my soul prospers in 3 John 1 and 2. God, you said the enemy came in to steal, kill, and destroy, but you came to give me life and life more abundantly, John 10, 10. God, you said that if I would seek you, that you would heal me and deliver me from all my fears. Fears, Psalms 34, 4. God, you said you need to top, stop telling everybody the doctor's report. And most of the time we can recite more what the doctor said than we can recite what God said. And if you're in a place like that right now, let me tell you, get some healing scriptures in front of you because every scripture from God is a promise to you if you want it. And so put it before your eyes so you can begin to see it. The next promise that God has given us to stand on is for our finances. It's for our finances. You know, I've just found this as a pastor and I'm just going to break it down real to you. I'm amazed at how Christians have no problem asking God to give them what he has. We just don't want to give God anything that we have. We want God to trust us with his resources, but we don't want to trust him with our resources. And let me just tell you something. Every time in the Bible where God shows up and made covenant with somebody, it's because they gave. God does not bless tipping. He asks for full obedience. 
And every time you see a scripture that's talking about our financial prosperity, it's spoken usually to the person who's in covenant with. And the person he's in covenant with is because they're a giver. Come on. If you want to see God bless your finances, you cannot get around it without tithing. Again, you're in the tension of what you can do and what God can do. And every time you give, you're declaring, God, you're my provider. You are my source. Well, Crystal, you don't know how hard it is. I laid in bed next to that man right there. When we were planning this church, we had given everything we had to this church. We had $50 in our checking account. Don't tell me I don't know. I know. I know when Heart for the House happened this last time, and he said, I want you to give it all. We gave it all. And I don't say that to brag on us. It's because I'm not my provider. God's my provider. And so there was moments where I held my bills to heaven and said, God, I don't know how you're going to work this out, but I know that you're able. And you know what? Every single time he's shown up and he's provided for us. He's, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Uh, so I want you to begin to say this when you're praying for your finances. God, you said that I would lend to many nations and I would never have to borrow. Deuteronomy 15, 6. God, you said that you own the cattle on a thousand hills. So Lord, if you don't mind, you can give me a few of those cattle right now. Amen. That's in Psalms 50, 10. Lord, you said that you would give me the ability to obtain wealth. Deuteronomy 8, 18. God, you said that you delight in the prosperity of your saints. And that is in Psalms 35, 27. What if we began to remind God of his word about our finances? I promise you this, you'd begin to see things change. Amen. The next thing I want you to write down is God has given us promises for our children. There was a woman who, a pastor friend of mine, and she came down front every single week praying about her kids. Her kids weren't serving the Lord, wouldn't come to church with him. And in fact, they had gotten to such a bad place that her children wouldn't even talk to her anymore. And every week she would come down front and her heart was broken. And uh, she kept telling the pastor, you know, just pray for us. And finally the pastor said, you know what I want you to do? I want you to get some scriptures about what God says about your children. And I want you to begin to declare those every single day. So she began to do that. And just a few weeks went by and she came down front and her whole family was there with her at church. And she said, Pastor, I want you to meet my son and my daughter. They came to church with me. You know, they're all still in that church actively serving there. But I think I'll just think this. What would have happened if she just kept talking about the problem? She decided in her mind, I'm no longer going to talk about the problem. I'm going to talk about what God has promised for my children. So I'm going to give you some good ones. Parents, I'm going to give you some good ammo, okay? Uh, Here you go. When you start praying, God, you said children are a gift from God. Psalms 127 verse 3. I love that. God, you said that children are a gift from you. That means that they're not a hindrance. They're not something, a burden. They're a gift. And so if anything that isn't good, that means God ain't done. So you have to remind God, God, you said that they're going to be a gift to me. I love this one. In Psalms 112 verse 2, it says that my children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. In other words, God, my kids are mighty kids. They're strong kids, full of favor, full of zeal for you and for your house. You said that they would be blessed. Um, Proverbs 31, 28. This is a great one. Are you ready? All the mamas in the house will love this. It says that my children will rise up and call me blessed. 
That means my kids love me. They don't hate me. They don't despise me. They don't have to spend time with me. No, I'm going to be like the Proverbs 31 woman that my children will call me blessed. Sometimes when they're in teenage years, you have to say that. Amen. Amen. Uh, Psalms 127 verse 3, that children are a gift from the Lord. I'm going to repeat that one to you. Marriage, okay? Our next one is marriage. Brian and I, we just celebrated um, our 16th wedding anniversary. And so crazy about him. Love that man. But I'll tell you this, that we went through some times where it was hard. Not all marriage is easy. Every, every marriage has its seasons of hard times and good times. But I'll tell you this, it's the promise of the Lord that keeps us together. And so if you're going through a hard time in your marriage, I want you to begin to declare this. And I love this for all the wives and the husbands. Proverbs 18:22. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. I'm Brian's good thing. Amen. Even when I ask him to take out the trash and he doesn't love me as much or do whatever, I'm his good thing. I love this in Mark 10, verse 9. It says, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. So that means we're together. We're connected at the hip. It doesn't matter what obstacle, what circumstance, what problem. There's nothing that can divide me from him. That I'm not going to let an attack from the enemy divide us apart. The next thing we're going to stand on on seven promises is protection protection. There was a friend of ours, he was driving down uh, 75 and uh, how many y'all know 75 always has accidents and there's always traffic. He was going fast and he comes up over the hill and as he comes up over the hill, he sees a huge backup of cars and it's so close that there's no way that he can break fast enough. He said, I literally closed my eyes and began to say Jesus and quote the word of God. He said, next thing I knew, I opened up my eyes and I was on an exit ramp three miles down the road. He said, I don't know how I got there. And I said, I know how you got there. Why? Because God's word is there to protect us. Now, am I advising that you close your eyes and drive? No. (laughs) But I am saying that God's word, when spoken out of our mouth, what does it say? The angels hearken to the word of God. I think the angels said, up. John needs help over there. Let's pick up his car and let's put him on an exit ramp. He just used the word of God. So this is what you need to say. God, you said that you're my ever-present help in time of need. Psalms 46 verse 1. God, you said in Isaiah 45 verse 2 that you go before me and make my crooked places straight. God, you said that you're my ever-present help in time of need. So I will not worry. I will not get stressed out. I'm not going to let myself get anxious because you are my protector. How about dreams? The next area is I want you to put dreams, your dreams and your goals. In our She Leads in the Lead group, it's amazing what I've seen God do over the last two years in different women's lives. And it's not because there's something special about me. What happened was we got together as one group. We set our goals and our dreams together. And I, put them, I told them, put it in a place where you can see it. And every day, I want you to begin to confess God's word. And what happens is when we begin to look at our goals, confess God's word, all of a sudden things begin to change. I'm going to give you some scriptures for your dreams and your goals. Are you ready? Romans 8, 28, God, you said that you'd work all things together for our good. Psalm 20, verse four, God, you said that you would give me the desires of my heart and make all my plans succeed. Proverbs 28, 20, God, you said a faithful person will be richly blessed. The next area that we can stand on God's promises is in grace, in grace. There was a man that came to uh, my pastor's church and 
He was an alcoholic and struggled with alcohol for years, as long as he could remember. He told pastor, he said, it doesn't matter what I do, I cannot get over this addiction. And pastor said, okay, he said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to still keep the beer in your fridge, keep living life as usual. And he said, this is the word of the Lord for me. But he said, this is the thing I want you to do different is every time you go to the refrigerator and you put your hand on the door, I want you to say this, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Every time you put the beer to your mouth, I want you to say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Every time you drink, I want you to declare that out loud with your mouth. So the man did that, weeks went by. He came forward after one service and he said, Pastor, he said this week, when I went to grab the handle, I declared, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But this time when I opened the fridge, I didn't need the beer anymore. And I went for tea instead. Let me tell you, God's word spoken out loud out of your mouth begins to bring results. I love the scripture in Philippians. It says that God will make us willing and able to obey what he calls us to. See, God doesn't just call you to something, but he makes you willing and able. And the way he does that is through his word. His word is the bridge for us to be able to accomplish all that he's called us to. So what are some scriptures for us with grace? A Romans eleven twenty nine. God, you said that all your promises are under full warranty. They're never canceled. They're never rescinded. Lamentations three twenty three. God, you said your mercies are new every morning. God, you said in Romans six fourteen that sin is no longer my master because I am under grace. Let me tell you something. I don't know how you came in here today. I don't know what you're going through, but let me tell you, God is able. He's able to help you overcome every problem. He's able to help you get through every obstacle. I'm going to declare this over you. There's not a problem too big that God can't solve. There's not one issue too small that God isn't interested in it. There's not one person that's too lost that God's grace can't find them. There's not a lock shut so tight that God doesn't hold the key. There's no sin too big that God can't forgive. And there's no failure too large that God can't redeem. No relationship that God can't restore. No night so dark that God's light can't shine through. No pit so deep that God can't grab you out. There's no bondage so strong that God can't bring freedom. There's no mountain so large that God can't move. And if God is able to do it, we are able to do it. Because greater is he that is in me. Come on, church. Than he that is in the world. He is able. That means you are able. Quit letting the enemy beat you up. I'm telling you this. God wants to do great things. He who promised is faithful. Can I pray with you today? Jesus, we just thank you, Father, for every person. God, we declare that you're faithful. Even when the situation doesn't look right, even when things all around us seem so bleak, God, we declare in this place that you are able. Father, we turn our eyes towards heaven and say, where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord who's strong and mighty. Father, we thank you that you're able to heal our bodies. God, we thank you that you're able to bring our kids into the house of God. God, we declare you are able to restore our marriage. God, we declare you are able to get us over any addiction, any stronghold, any bondage. God, we declare in this place that you are able to redeem us. God, you are able to make all of our dreams succeed. Father, we thank you in this place that you are faithful. In Jesus' name, and everybody say amen, amen. 
At The Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If this ministry has blessed you in any way and you'd like to contribute financially, you can go online to thechurchrc.com slash giving. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, send us an email at amen at thechurchrc.com.